Plus you want to learn God, King of the Universe, sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please add an I, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people Israel. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who selected us from all the peoples and gave us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. Amen. I want you to know that I'm excited to worship and pray with you. It's one of the highlights of my life. I bought everyone in this class that needed one a Shavuot. A Shavuot Machsor last year. It wasn't disposable. So, <laughs> this year we're getting all of this. Yes. <laughs> so, if, if you missed out, you know, maybe you were still doing the Presbyterian thing or whatever, and you didn't get one. <laughs> I have one. <laughs> By the way. So, um, see me, but I, I want us to pray as we did last year. It was spectacular. So, having the Moxor is important and is big. If you don't have one, you let me know. It will be my. Did we gift. finally get a place where we're going to pray? It's going to be at my house. Um, it is at uh, yes. I'm thinking ten. Is it, I think usually ten seems to be the normal deal. Well, yes. why would we start early? Because we're just going to be spending the night at your house. Well, no, not the night before. It's <laughs> yeah. not at my house. Yeah. The morning is. Why not? I mean, yeah. We're supposed to, yeah. to stay awake and then shakari. There it is. I'll let you. Apparently, this isn't going over. Crickets. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Um I think we got Noah tuning in. Noah's tuning in. And Judah's coming. Judah's coming. Samuel Kinsley is tuning in. Good, Samuel's online. I know that uh, Bill Lensmeyer and his wife and his two sons are probably online as well. David. Uh, McDonald and some of the other men at uh, men of uh, uh, Tour North are online as well. And Scott Martin sends his greetings, but today he's out tonight because today is his birthday. Today, by the way, if you know my wife's aunt Lynn Bowen, tall, beautiful, it is her birthday as well. Happy birthday! So, I, it's important to me that you realize that I'm not going to teach anything on the 39 Melachot until we're done. So that means there's some guys that have signed up, there's some guys that are still studying, there's some other guys who have not stepped up. Oh, the whole couch. <laughs> there's a reason. So, uh, there is a reason, and I, I've got. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that the guys that have stepped up will either step up again, or berate the men who have not stepped up, and then they'll step up, and then you can step up again. There is but there it is. So um, that's that's what I'm hoping for. So in the meantime. I'm just filling in with things that I've been thinking about, things that I've been asking about. Yes, just as a thought about one of the websites that I use, which is pathways.org. Yes. They have extensive, like, 
audio classes along with handouts. If one time you just wanted to like throw one of those bad boys on for 40 minutes and then we all print out the handouts. There you go. That's an easy way to do it because yep. that's pretty much what I would do anyway <laughs> if okay. I was going to prepare. If, if, if nobody st starts stepping up to finish out the rest of the 39, we'll go ahead and do it. You, know? yeah. you could pick something really bizarre and just step up there, but... I know the Mr. Water Upham had wanted to do like one. <laughs> the water? Yeah. I know Mr. Upham wanted to be one close to the end. He does. He's going to be second to last. That's He's doing carrying. Okay. You know, and uh, Ryan has uh, stepped up to kindling and putting out a fire, I think. Yeah. Um, but he's got to study. So, so tonight, I want to, uh, in in uh, in normal Zodiac fashion, I just want to stir this hornet's nest and see if I can get some loud conversation going. It's funny you say hornet's nest on Mecklenburg Declaration. Bam! That's right. Why is that? Because they were called the Hornets. Is this true? This was uh, put out there by Mrs. Ari D. Hidalgo. I know. Yeah. Does uh, the question? Um, she's the vice president of Shalom Scripture Studies, but I, I think it's important to point out that her husband, she is under authority, and her husband is the president of Shalom Scripture Studies. Uh, for those who are watching. And I know you can't see that. It looks all white. Let me read it to you. One thing that Jewish evangelism does not mean is converting. Sorry. Whoa. That was my fault. Converting oh. into light. Del. <laughs> converting to Del. Converting the Jewish people. It does not mean that. By and large, the Jewish people already believe in one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jewish evangelism does mean. And here's the question. Making Jewish people aware that they are sinners according to the scriptures and that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has provided a sin offering for them. Did he do that? Did he provide a sin offering? Is Yeshua a sin offering? I assume that's what she means because this lady actually puts Yeshua out there big time. Yeah. Paul uses something like that language, right? He calls him became sin. He who had no sin became yeah, sin. Who knew no sin. That's not a sin offering. That's right. Well, no, that's actually, it is. That's yeah, exactly what it means. It it's a chatat. Yeah, is he yeah. a sin offering? He doesn't become sin. He becomes a When she says sin offering, is she not referring to Leviticus? The opening chapters? Mm -hmm. If she is, is he a sin offering? Again, yes, yes and, and no. no. Yes. Well, why yes? Because we're talking about a different system here. Wait, if it's a different system, then that's not the system that she's speaking of, because that's not in Leviticus. I don't know what she's no, talking about. Yes, she's she's talking about. Oh, I do know that. what she's talking about. I've read everything okay. she wrote. It, 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 but that <laughs> word there doesn't necessarily. So I'm asking mean you. Because if you go to if you go to Hebrews, yes. there is a lot of parallel language between Yeshua's offering. And a whole bunch Yom of stuff. So Yom Kippur, the red heifer, yep. a whole bunch yep. of different of the yep. offerings kind yep. of culminating in the imagery that, that he's all these offerings. That he, is, that he is this, but in a different plane, not on earth. Right. So yeah. a different priesthood. Yeah. Right. A different, a different, different system. temple. Different a different offering. Absolutely. So if we read sin offering for them, 
and we're telling this to Jews, Jews believe the Torah. So they would necessarily think that he's a sin offering according to the Levitical system. Is that true? No. That'd be confusing. Yes, he can't be. Why not? Well, because he doesn't meet any of the Levitical system requirements. What's, what's the biggie? He's not, not an animal. animal. He's not an animal. You can stop right there. Yeah. He's not an animal. Right. In fact, human sacrifice is abhorrent to God yeah. and to the Torah. And actually, so I think, and I think that we could, and that's one of the reasons why I never use the word sacrifice, right. is because... The word sacrifice means something different. Scripture, Everybody. Scripture uses that word in English, but yeah. it never uses it in Hebrew. It's a misnomer in Greek. Actually, it uses it in Greek, but not in reference to Yeshua. Right. The, the notion that he is a katak is also a little bit confusing. Because, I mean, Paul says he is, he became, he didn't say, he, did, he doesn't say he became sin. It, it, it's a it's a proper noun. It's right. a, it's so He's a katha, right. or or the Greek version of it. Um, so it's a little confusing. However, having said that, we know without the shadow of a doubt, he is not the sin offering as described in Leviticus, in Leviticus one through five. Yeah. But okay. we also know that there's more than one sin offering throughout the Torah, not even mentioned, because we see offerings being made on the basis of. Some guilt of some sort. Yes, agreed. Gregory, I was uh, Hebrews ten eight through ten. Yes, it kind of wraps it yeah. up because it says like above, speaking about the passage that I just quoted. You have ne- neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second, and by that. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Yeshua. So it's, it's the second; it's not the former. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's the a other, different. The other piece to it is, of course, that if it was the sin offering that we're talking about in the Torah, that has nothing to do with evangelism. So it wouldn't even fit in what she's talking about. Well, perhaps in her mind. I mean, hmm. you could torque it. I think. Well. But what is what does offerings have to do with evangelism? Well, to begin there with? needs to be a sin offering because you're a sinner. If you sin, you bring a sin offering. That was her point. And I'm, I'm trying to say to you, would you really approach an Orthodox Jewish man and say, you are a sinner and you need to provide a sin offering, but God has provided the sin offering for you. Would you really approach it that way? That's not a little tough. You then you go ahead. Um, for example, if you, even if you grant the beginning portion of this that um, you want to make the Jewish people aware that they are sinners according to the scripture yes um, most of them would say okay I understand I had sin God has indeed provided a way for that it's called teshuva tukun and that's stop doing I repent that and he remembers my good. sin no more that's what the bible tells me so it would be strange for because it's very much like our mindset of well, okay, but how are you really going to get a, uh, atonement? And that's a what, what do you mean? They they would be at a loss for the category that you're yep. even speaking about because they understand that God loves them. He is so ready to forgive them that we they don't have the category right. of of 
God has something that he that he has himself has set up that he himself has to overcome, which is you know sin and Yeshua is the only way to do it. They don't have that category, so I think that if you told an Orthodox Jew that, they would it would not make any sense. Look at you, kind of funny. I get you next. You go ahead. But at the same time, um, Judaism itself, if you go back to Yavne time, or like second century, uh, there is debate as to uh, how God will forgive sin post-temple. Now, now that we have no temple. No temple. Exactly. So they, they can, the concept of, quote, I mean, the concept of, of, of reinterpreting or re-understanding forgiveness in a post-sacrificial system or a, a non-sacrificial system has already been established. Judaism simply points to prayer um, as and and good deeds, particularly at like levels of mercy, as being like the main charity, as being the main like mechanisms through which God responds to His people, their actions that merit forgiveness. So, in a sense, there's already a, a, a theological system in place that works fine with Yeshua, particularly if you put Yeshua in the category of the righteous suffering for the for the rest of humanity. Yeah, so, there's already a, there's already multiple Jewish concepts. That you can tap into without having to pull the Christianized one to one offering Yeshua parallel, which I think unfortunately would just be confusing for most Jews because it wouldn't, it, it, like you mentioned the human sacrifice issue, it doesn't even make sense exactly. in, that, in that format. But the substitutionary concept, where yeah. this is what God used but, when it worked, but now it's something else because but, he can't do that. But that's not where she's coming from. I know. I don't I'm think, saying there right, is a way to do it. That's similar, right, so I, but not exactly. I get him, then I get you, then I get you. Go ahead. Well, just a question to, to Taylor's good point. point. That m most Jews that I know would say, yeah, of course we have a way of for forgiveness of sins, and it's through prayer and right. intercession and repentance, of which I believe. Right. So categorically, that um, I, I think we agree with with them on that plane. Of yes, sure. there is a way, uh, but this this whole second category, which is on not any of their radars. Is the that, spiritual that, temple right. and the, yeah, agreed. It, it's it doesn't seem to be discussed at all, and yet and it's I, I would suggest that you could get you could get rabbis to discuss it and to 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 open up that that door and talk about it. But you're right; it seems to be completely foreign to their what they've been brought up with, what they've been taught, Sorry. what they're practicing, etc. Yeah, Peter. Just like. I can't hear you. Can you hear him? It was. Uh, it was. There's, that, uh, there's already a system. There's a system in place for, and it was substitution. It was the suffering of the righteous, according to the Torah. But even though we believe that, to some extent, and do uh, should believe that, and but why? It still begs the question: Why? They would need to have some sort of belief or following after Yeshua specifically, because if the suffering of the righteous provides atonement, then the suffering of all the righteous is right. So why? So, although, so, although so, there, there so the righteous one is a foreign concept. No, I don't know. know what is that concept. I disagree. Right. I think there's a hierarchical system in place. Sorry, just jump in. But um, <coughs> if you look at the uh, if, you, if you look at the um, Jewish mis uh, midrash surrounding the offering of Isaac Yitzhak. Very clearly, they point to him as being a unique righteous individual who yep. suffers for the people. Yep. In fact, um, in, 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 um, in one of the uh, in one of the myths and legends and stories surrounding Yitzhak, they go so far as to claim that basically um, God, they, they call the angels or I believe it's angels, call upon God to look yep. to the offering of Yitzhak whenever Israel, or Abraham, whenever Israel is in sin. 
In other words, Yitzhak is almost the exact parallel yes. to Yeshua and what we're talking about here. And the scriptures say the same thing. The scriptures point the same way. That the, the son was sacrificed. Mm -hmm. Good. Gregory, I got you. Uh, yeah, oh, that was, did I get you? No. No, I missed yeah, I'll go after Stand up. Well, I, no, please, go ahead. He's already started. <laughs> well, I was, Pete, that was an excellent point because that was what I was going to point out was that clearly she's got this like salvation by like understanding kind of thing going on well, which I, is, I, I, I want to give her the benefit of the doubt well. I, th I think she did a really good job of trying not to just throw the Jewish stuff in the tank and bring the Christian stuff to bear she's on her site and in her book she's trying to push the Christian stuff away and go don't even say that no that's wrong Right. This is where we, I mean, she's got a great point. Well, yeah, but the key word here is like aware. The whole idea is that like we have to make them aware because if they're not aware, yeah. then they're not saved. No Therefore, need, like, no need for a Messiah. doesn't even apply to them. And that goes back to Pete's point. It's like, why does that even matter? So because even in the example of Isaac, it's not like you have to understand that Isaac is the one that provided the atonement. People are just like helped. And the angels are the ones that are kind of delivering the, yeah. the prayers of, yeah. you know, in, in a sense like that. So I, I, I know where you're coming from because that's a, it's an odd way of, of putting it. Like you have to have this certain understanding. You have yeah. to take the quiz. Yeah. Otherwise, but if the you don't have the right knowledge, work. well, you're hosed. Right. And there it is. I got you next. Go ahead. I think, actually, I think the key problem here is, first of all, Ari is not a female Jewish man. Dismiss it. Okay. I understand that. Yeah, so it could be your husband's. Yeah. Okay. That, that, is her name. Okay. that is her husband's name. Her husband's name? Okay. Um, I was simply being facetious. Yeah. Now, <laughs> she's probably not Jewish. Anyway, the point is, and not that that matters. It's Algo. Well, she's not a horse either. That doesn't, that, that, <laughs> not, that, not that makes a big difference. But what, what, what she's focusing on is the word sinner. Yes. And it is the word sinner that causes us difficulty and immediately identifies where she's coming from or where she's going Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Because... Because when it comes to Judaism, there is such a thing as sin. There's no question. There are such a thing as sinners, but we ain't them. That's right. That's those people. That's right. Does Israel sin? Absolutely. Do individuals sin? Absolutely. Are, is Israel sinners? No, they're not. Right. Now, that doesn't mean in the classic sense of what a sinner is. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We can quote all the verses. Paul quotes them for us again. But Paul's the same guy who then turns it around and talks about you are all righteous. You are not like that. You are not like you used to be. So the notion that we are, were, and are, and remain sinners is is a Christian construct yes. post-apostolic scripture. And, and I would argue against Paul. So if we have that we are all sinners, then obviously we need some help. But if we're not all sinners... What do we really need Yeshua for? Well, and I would, I would argue, actually, we could probably come to a lot of agreement, her and I, sure. on our need for him. Yes. But I would not say it's because we're sinners. Exactly. And I, I, I'd say I, the opposite. I, I think you need to argue the whole sinner saint thing. We need kids. If we're saints, <laughs> if we've been joined to the commonwealth. Well, wait a second. We're not talking about Gentiles. They are the commonwealth. Yeah. They are the chosen ones of God. There's a different category, Absolutely. and she's not seeing that. I, I perceived, I'm going to jump in real quick and give my own uh, point here. I got the sense 
she is a believer in Messiah Yeshua. No question. And I got the sense that she is taking her Christian teaching and wanting to bring it back to her people and to bring some type of Torah language to bear to make it work. Circumlocution. I think so. And I think the bottom line problem for me is what value then is there to be a Jew? Well, she's feeding them. And Paul answers it. Much in every way. Much in every way. She's answering a question to it. She's answering a question that's not being asked. (laughs) What do I do about me being a sinner? Right. Nobody's Nobody asks that. And if you look at the gospel, quote unquote, message that is preached to Jewish people, Mm -hmm. look at Acts and elsewhere, the focus is on repentance. And and there is there is a a a following of Yeshua concept. I don't think I can say that's even explicit, but it's it's a concept there as Messiah. So, but and if you think about his messianic role uh, as expressed in Deuteronomy, the prophet like in Moses, the language used there is that those who do not follow his his words would be in big trouble with with Hashem. So, in that respect, I would say the issue with the Jewish people is considerably less about sin. They don't need to get in. It's much more about, about who they're following. What do they Who's see? Their king? Who is their who is who is their leader within Hashem's system that he set up? Are they trusting Hashem's promises about Mashiach and that this is that guy? Agreed. So when Yeshua says to a Jew when he asks, What must I do to be saved? What's he say? Repent. Do this. Repent. Do Keep the commandments. King, and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> In fact, every Jew that asked him, the answer was repent. Which means what? Return. <laughs> return. Right? Shuva. Shuvi. Return. Come back. It's like you're Something you left. were you were in and you have walked away. Now return. There it is. So it, it is implying that there's an insider's view. Maybe this will answer a question that's going to come up in the next slide, in the next couple of slides. I was actually going to speak on that very statement you just said. There was actually a book in the library at seminary that I saw. Cemetery. Cemetery. <laughs> and it was, uh, the title was, Did Jesus Teach Salvation by Works? And it was a very thick book. <laughs> and pretty much just went around and around to ultimately answer, well, no. And that's that. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you read it. That's right. I didn't read. I didn't. Okay. Skin so chapter. that was the back cover. <laughs> that's all it said. This is description. Um, so the, and the question has to be: Well, what did Yeshua say about like what it means to get saved? And he didn't say like you have to accept this particular doctrine of the atonement. You'd have to have a certain knowledge of eschatology. Or or that you even needed to believe that he is X, Y, and Z. It was do this and follow me. The most important part being follow, follow me. me. Uh, the fact of the, the rich man had mm-hmm. it all good until one last part. He didn't follow Yeshua. And that's right. the only thing that caused Yeshua sadness. Not that he thought he actually could do it. Uh, not that he thought he could. Or that tricked. Or that he couldn't do it. Or that he couldn't do the biggest thing that made Yeshua sad and love this guy, by the way, even though he's walking away from him. Was that he couldn't? Yeah, was that he would follow. Right. So I think that this 
misses that because it's all about well believing in Yeshua as a means to something instead of believing in Yeshua as the grounds to something. I agree. Hmm. Final comment. Okay. Right. <laughs> it might, might be a little bit big, but to uh, Mr. Spolak's point, sinners according to the scriptures is terribly Christian and it's phraseology. But what is <laughs> what does that mean from this if there's two categories? Because obviously we know and I think Jews know that there's they are sinners according to the Torah. Well but you you bring up a good question. Paul says in Romans 10, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Well, I don't get it. We just said they're in the club. They walked away. He just wants them to return. What is no, maybe he doesn't mean that at all. to be saved? What he's, is writing this, he's writing this uh, probably around the year 52 or so. Probably. Uh, there's all sorts of bad stuff coming their way. Caligula has just just recently died after trying to set up a, a idol in the temple. I mean, this is like this is this has been a really bad fifty. Actually, it's been a bad hundred, couple hundred years here. Yeah. And Israel's just going downhill. They're just they're oppressed. They need to be saved. So, so political, this not political, not political. You're thinking this they is need to be saved, is physically a saved, physical salvation. Absolutely, they need, they need Messiah. That's exactly why the disciples are upset. I don't know. I can argue that. You set up your kingdom. I, I could argue that in context. But you have to tell me what the, the word heels, "saved" means. I, I understand that, but on the heels of chapter nine, I would find it hard to believe he was talking about physical salvation rather than actually. Spirit. No, no, I'm not talking about only physical. See, that's the problem. Is it's not one or the other. And everybody wants to make it all spiritual. I think it's everything. It's the whole nation. Israel to be saved is the messianic well, kingdom. That's the hope. Yeah. If this is their the physical salvation, kingdom. then Messiah will be that's here. Right. He will reign. So and it's the whole ball of wax. Messiah reigning in his in his city, Jerusalem, and all Israel following him. Israel being saved. Agreed. It's not a it's not a Heaven thereafter or anything. It's, it's I can a, I can work with that. I can work with that. I got you next. You're up. Um, I think that here, Paul again is focusing on a on a group issue, and I think that if you were to talk to your average Chabadnik today, they would um, they would actually have a lot of agreement in that respect right. with, with Shaul. They would love it if every Jew keeps Shabbat and kept kosher and kept the Torah. They would love it if every Jew is in a sense, saved from worldliness and is pursuing Hashem. That concept is, I mean, again, we're, Paul is focusing on a group a group topic here. It's not necessarily specific. Not to say that um, Orthodox Judaism, depending on your flavor, does not necessarily all uh, disagree with the concept that, um, they are, that they have sin that has to be fixed somehow by Hashem. Absolutely. That's a lot of what we see in the Yom Kippur prayers over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. God is essentially handling our problem. That's not something that, again, is foreign to Jews. The difference is, as you pointed out, Jews don't see themselves as fundamentally flawed, as fundamentally sinful. They see themselves as righteous people with sin that's that right. God has to take care of. And actually, that's very... And that's New testament so terrible. And actually, it's, it's, it's like... Uh, it's like uh, Jonathan's wonderful Haggadah prayers, you know, because it talks about it. It talks about the things that we know where we fail. God knows where we fail, yeah. but we also know that He 
welcomes us back when we come to it. Amen. Every and time. I, and I think that Paul understands this concept because he describes himself pre Yeshua as being blameless according to the Torah. But then also calls himself as Jesus. So he doesn't have like I don't feel like Paul is quite the Calvinist, I am a sinner, saved by grace for eternity kind of concept. I think he recognizes that um, he has done wrong, but at the same time that he was he was and is righteous. Mm -hmm. I was just um, along with this point, I was wondering, you know, what we came to the conclusion on the last slide was kind of like, okay, so just following following Yeshua, like the the end, the last point of that he that Yeshua tells the rich man, just leave everything and follow me. And then you kind of answer, so that's where the difference lies between where some people are coming from and what seems like this lady is coming from versus where we come from. What does it mean to follow Yeshua? And it's cool that you bring this up because Paul later, just right there in Romans 10, also says that they, you know, they were zealous for God, but not according to knowledge, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God, they're seeking to establish their own and not submitting to God's righteousness. So the issue being which is right after this verse is they're not keeping the Torah the way that God said to keep it. They got a halakha, but it ain't God's halakha. Exactly, exactly. So, and, and that's the big point there when it comes to what does it mean to follow Yeshua? It means to do everything that he said to do. Treat him as a Rebbe. You, you dwell in his words, you meditate on his words, and you walk out everything that he told you to do. I like it. All right. Just to throw up, I think we're having fun throwing you know, hand grenades in the middle of the room. Um, it's interesting that the that the uh, as we've been reading the Perkei Avot over and over and over again, it says all Israel will be saved, as it is written. Da, 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 da. End of every chapter. But the all Israel will be saved, as far as I know, is not actually a straight quote from the Tanakh. However, Paul uses but it. Paul uses that exact phrase in Romans chapter eleven, uh, describing. Israel says, and so all Israel will be saved, just as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He'll remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So, ironically enough, the person who's probably most concerned and yet apparently somewhat least concerned about the ultimate status of Israel is Paul. Uh, just so that you know, be, that Joshua's point is exactly right. And interestingly enough, it must be that the people from Treasury of Scriptural Knowledge also read the Perkeo because their cross-reference goes back to Isaiah as well. It does. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right. These 12 Yeshua sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, the half-breeds, thank you, Sheriff, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Matthew chapter 10. So I'm, I'm just trying to figure out where you guys are at with this. Is, is, this a, is this a time frame? Only go and preach the gospel to the Jews? No, Matthew 28 says something. That was later. Yeah, I think it's a time frame. So it's a time frame. So while he's there... Only preach to the Jews. Don't even talk to the half preachers. Certainly don't talk to the Jews. They say, "Blesses you comes in the name of the Lord." Game over. The game on. <laughs> the shoes oh. are, are coming. Game off. Uh oh. I, I think you're missing, met, mixing metaphors. Um, this is when he sent out the twelve, not when he sent out the seven. <laughs> 
when he sent out the seventy, he said that. And it seemed that he was moving further out. But I don't know. When I, I was reading, reading when, when I was reading through this recently, I was kind of thinking that it may be for this specific time, but it's very much the same reason why you're standing right here, right. right now with us, instead of going to the local homeless shelter, going on the street corner in downtown Charlotte, going to you know some like you know school in the ghetto or something like that. You're so here bugs. prepping us to go do that or yes. to go do that to our families. Mm -hmm. So I I felt like it was the same concept. Okay, but you have not answered the question as to why they're limited as to who they speak to. Because these, these all of the Jews they bump into everywhere are similar to you guys? Is that what you're saying? It is their mission to be a light, light to the world. A light to the world, yeah. A light, okay. Yes, sir. Uh, so I, I have a question that maybe also talks about appropriateness. Is it is the converse of this? And as you're asking the question, is it appropriate to say don't go to Gentiles, right? Right. Is it then appropriate? When does it become appropriate to go to Gentiles? And exactly how does that relate to the divine invitation issue? My friend, you have busted it wide open. The well, I didn't mean to do that. I'm I know, but that's the, that's the focus of the Because that's the negative of the positive. Or this the is the positive of the, well, the yeah. negative of the positive. <laughs> the, the, the name of the keynote is evangelism. Do we, do we evangelize Gentiles? Should we evangelize Gentiles? Or should we only evangelize Jews? Or should we evangelize at all? Or should we, like your dad says... Go into all the world and preach the gospel, and if you have to, open your mouth. If not, that's but the don't let the Gentiles keep Torah. Tell them they're only if they want to a little <laughs> bit. So, with that, since this is in the context of evangelism, would it be fair to say, well, this shows? Some people would say, regardless if you're talking to a Jew or a Gentile, your evangelism should be the exact same. Really. Some would Don't say, tell it to Paul. Right, but some say that it should be the same message, essentially, really? to each person. Okay. And what would you say? You clearly disagree. Why? I clearly disagree. And I think Paul disagrees. For those who know the Torah, you use the Torah. To those who don't know the Torah, they, you can't use the Torah to teach them what they should return to. To those who know the Torah, they should return they should shuvi, they should do shuva. That's what the master said. To those that did not know the Torah, Paul never started with the Torah. Right? I see you got this like statue here, but there's nobody on it. It's, it's, like, it's like the empty guy. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to talk about the empty guy, because I'm here representing him, the empty guy. Here I am. The empty guy. The empty guy. The empty guy. So would you say that, for example, the methodology of evangelism where we say, hey, have you like ever lusted or stuff like that? That's using the Torah, and maybe that only works because we're in Western Christian post-Christian. Why do you want to solve that problem? The good test. Do you, the so good test. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what you're 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 trying to you're using you're using a method. I mean, it's it's a good established method. But the method is you have a need, here's a solution. My question is, why is the need you're really? lusting? Wait, wait. 
you have a need that you don't necessarily know about. That's right. I'm gonna make sure that you know that you have this need. Right. Right. And now I'll give and you. And I'll make you feel about bad about the fact that you have this need. And so you once want the I make solution. you sufficiently bad, feel bad about the need. I'll provide the solution. There it is. Not, is. Yeah, and I'm not saying we should do that, but I'm saying we do that to Gentiles all the time. Is that fair? Well, but I'm saying, that's well, what I'm saying. Is that fair? I'm asking tonight. Should you be doing that? And, and only that approach only works when you use the Mishpah team, like commandments that men would come up with for themselves. That's right. Now, Pete, you 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 Ooh, broach this. You you broached this at dinner a couple of nights ago, and and I think it would be great if you could just share. Um, with the rest of the class, what you ate um, loudly, what you yeah, what you ate, and, and how it was cooked, and, and but yeah, just you know, raise your voice just a couple of decibels and give us how you saw these Torah commandments divided into groups made by God. That, no, well, that just Kabbalah, Kabbalah said in an email that there was a do which are testimonies which testify, like Passover testifies to creation and the Exodus and Passover testifies to the Exodus and stuff like that. And then there's Mishpatim judgments, which are just your typical stuff. Mor- moral type stuff. Up with, men don't could steal, come don't commit adultery, stuff like that. And then the Kukot are the supernatural commandments, which have no have make no sense of God. For example, that's a biblical category. Twisting the head off of a bird. Giving a couple of drops of blood pepper. under the water with the red. Yeah. The point is, you, so you couldn't come up with that on your own. <laughs> 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 I had the canary. In evangelism, you're limited to using Mishpat team because they couldn't possibly you're come up to convince with the them that they broke the law. But you're only able to use the parts of the law that appeal to their conscience. That's exactly. And if they have no conscience, forget it. Right. So it's not, it's not even about disobeying God. Because it's, it's about disobeying what man can team aren't really serving God, they're serving their conscience. And there are men who are very moral, who have no relationship with God whatsoever. And actually, they bring glory to God. Right, some. No, everything they do is sin. Every possible thing. It may not be to their credit, but they bring glory to God. It's without faith, it's sin. Well, I think if you. Um, that's a couple things. First off, um, the uh, Judaism has an interesting take on converts itself. From what I understand, we're going to get to converts in a second. Please don't go there right now. Okay. Mm. And then in that case, I will bring up another comment that comes from one of our watchers online. I'm, I'm keeping an eye. Thank on you very much. I appreciate you doing um, that. I wish all of my sons would do that. So especially when I'm teaching. <laughs> Bill Lensmeyer wrote in and yes. said that. Um, Quoting from Hebrews 4.2, For indeed the gospel is preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. It appears that just hearing the gospel is not enough. Faith needs to be mixed with the gospel. Oh, Hebrews 3.15, Hebrews 3.15, while it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. Hebrews 4.7, again he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after a long time, as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The author seems to be making a very strong point about not hardening, hardening your heart to the word. Very good. Amen. Good good job, Bill. All right. Well, that was spirited. Now he's going to blow us out of the water. <laughs> Here's I, I wanted to take I wanted to take a, an easy, relax. No, no, the next slide is just easy, relax. Get your guard down a little bit. Because what hinders Jews? From accepting the side of the issue. I mean, what right? 
So this, what does not go on? Right, what does not either, right? So historically, we kill them. Especially when we're in a mood to be evangelical. <laughs> no, you must receive the gospel and we'll kill you. Yeah, oh, you don't want to become a Christian? Put him on the rack. Torture him until he does. Yeah, you will know. By our, by our, by our torture. Gentiles, Gentiles normally present a false messiah. Well, is that the, not the case? Idolatry. The good lady did present <laughs> not a false messiah, but a wrong perspective on messiah. I think so, which is why I brought her up to begin with. But I think the evangelical church as a whole sure. is presenting what? Not that I would not that I would disagree with their with their overall sense of who he is, right? But and rather their use of him. Exactly. And, and, I, people and, we're, and we're not going to talk about them and their methods outside here. It's just to get a perspective that. Normally, they're presenting a Jesus, right? A, a Jesus who should be stoned. Who could possibly <laughs> be the Messiah? Can you say it a little nicer? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> because he should. He Don't hold back, baby! That's exactly That's what the it. Jew would say. Yep. Can't be the Messiah. He was a test. Can't be the Messiah. One of the reasons for the Jews that have no connection to the historical death of their people who have not been presented a false messiah, just the typical, like, reformed Jew. It's just been so long of, that's, Jesus is just not part of the tribe. Exactly. He's just not well, ours. There's, exactly. there's no connection. So now even historically, in their own religion, Jesus is a non-player. Right. Well, but even like... I they mean, can talk about him, no big deal. We're, we're, right. we're, yeah, in fact, uh, the issue really, I think, boils down to is idolatry. Yes. Because for most Jews, they see Jesus not as Messiah, but as another God. Exactly. We have a pantheon of three, right? And Jesus is right. kind of, sort of the, the the Zeus figure of it, as it were. Yeah. You know, heaven forbid. But the point is, like, if you live, if you if you go into, if you go into the land of Israel, you can understand this. There's a bazillion uh, Byzantium churches all over the country. And all we got are these massive motifs of this, you know, golden haloed yeah, guy no, with piercings in his hands. It's terrible. Why would you? Why would you even think about it? And then finally, most Gentiles are under the impression that they need to move out of being Jewish yes. into being Christian. Oh yeah. Right. So they need to be that word, the c word, converted. converted right. Now, this lady that I started with at the beginning, she says, never use the word convert. Use the word complete. Ew. Oh, no. Ew. You know what? I like that better than convert. Are you a completed human now? Well, I've heard, I, think it's, I think it's a really bad thing all the way around, from soup to nuts, from the first slide to now. We just have a problem. I watched a documentary once. It was showing both sides in uh, Toronto. There was next door to each other in this strip mall, there was a Jews for Judaism, which is an anti-missionary group, right next door to your typical messianic Christianese type deal. And which, which we could just put as a moniker, Jews for Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, they had a lot of connections to Jews for Jesus. No! And, okay. it, and the, the documentary was showing the two, like, what, like, what do the members think of each other? Yeah. And the Kahana was in the rabbi's office, and he's like, okay, all these Christians, they say that we need to be a completed Jew. 
And so it's not, it's not that they're unaware of this. And of course, an anti-missionary group is going to be much more critical and defensive than the, your typical run-of-the-mill run Jew to such terms. But it doesn't make any sense to have a completed Jew because that is just as bad as everything else. Like there's yeah. Right. So because, because now, what am I right now but an incomplete Jew? Because you're not okay. letting the Jew speak for himself. Yeah. If you ask a Jew, what are you missing? Nothing. I have a relationship with, with Hashem. With, with the creator of the universe. Uh, if you're talking to and a, he chose me specifically by name. If you're talking to perhaps a Lubavitcher or a Breslover, then they'd say, I, I have atonement through my Rebbe or through Rebbe Schneerson or whatever. I go and I pray through him. He goes to God for me. It's very much the same thing. And so well, why do I need anything else? Why do I need a new God that I have to accept as God when this has been, always been my God? Right, and it's working. This is uh, this is astonishing to me. Knock, knock. Christopher and Marie O'Malley, that would be an Irish couple, not a Jewish. Are sitting at home one evening when the doorbell rings. Chris opens the door to find a well-dressed couple on his steps, smiling politely. Excuse me, are you Jewish? One of them asks. No, Chris responds. Have you ever considered Judaism for your spiritual needs? The interloper continues, reaching into her satchel for a bunch of brochures, which he hands over to the bewildered homeowner. We're holding a class tour tonight. Perhaps you'd like to stop by and see what we have to offer. Now, before you read the rest of the paragraph, what does that sound like? Satire. Satire or Jehovah's Witnesses, right? It can't be real. Even your little Baptist even though Baptist Church, it can't be Jews knocking on the door. But in fact, it is. Jewish proselytizing was so successful, it's estimated by the first century CE, fully 10% of the Roman Empire was Jewish, close to 8 million people. It's an incredible number, and it means that the Jewish community was not meant to be this tiny, this minuscule group. Notes Rabbi Lawrence Epstein who you see in the picture, founder and president of the Conversion to Judaism Resource Center in Comac, New York, where I used to go bowling. He's on a commission. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Interesting, he uses, the, he uses the time frame, the first century CEO. Yeah. <laughs> the only door-to-door Jew. It actually was prior to that, too. Yeah, no, no, there's no question that it was already there, but the point is that the followers of Yeshua were a big contribution to that. Moment. You bet they were. Yeah. You bet they were. So, do you see Judaism as a proselytizing or evangelical faith yes. today? Chabad, no. yes. Yeah, one, one group of it. Actually, Chabad isn't, isn't evangelical, though, because they only want it really for Jews. They're, yeah. they're, well, that's they're, not entirely they're, true. Their Noahide outreach is very small. But it's there. there. But, but their Noahide outreach is not their focus. No, not not their, their focus not is you Jews. visit, you visit, you visit, we got you, and then what are you going to do? You're going to convert, right? And, and to, to, I think I can make a pretty good argument to that. While it's not a, a numbers-focusing game, the quality of converts to Judaism is very actually good. quite astounding. Very and, good. and I think it's a very effective way, as we all know. So I would actually say, in many ways, yes, it is a proselytizing faith movement. It's meant to be. And, and, and I think it's it exactly right that it's meant, it's meant to be. And but not necessarily the way that it's being played out. Exactly. Right. And so I want to go back in time and look at some of those things 
Um, let's look at what Rob Shlomo Brody says. He's actually in Israel right oh, now. He's at the wall. In a central Talmudic passage, some say, I'm quoting it. In a central Talmudic passage, some sages asserted that converts cannot be accepted in times of Jewish political supremacy. That's interesting. Yes. Or in the Messianic era, either yes. one. Yes. Well, in the Messianic era, there's certainly a political supremacy. Mm -hmm. These are not the attitudes of a missionary religion. Indeed, one sage, Rabbi Yitzhak, cursed those who engage in conversions. He said, evil after evil comes upon those who receive proselytes. For Rabbi Helbo stated, proselytes are a hurtful, as, as hurtful to Israel as a sore on the skin from Yevamot. But then he goes on. An opposing Talmud extreme is the same guy in the same breath. However, embrace not only sincere converts, but also conversion as a whole. Interpreting Genesis as teaching that Abraham converted people and gathered them under the wings of the Shekinah. Similar missionary attributes are attributed to other forefathers as well as Jethro. In another famous Talmudic passage, Rabbi Eliezer declared, God exiled the Jews amongst the nations in order that converts might join them. Is that the same Eliezer that said that uh, wow. even to the third or fourth generation never Don't trust him. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rav Shlomo Brody is kind of given two perspectives. You've heard it said, but I say to you, Although maybe he's saying the same thing, he's just saying only in times of Jewish political supremacy. And actually, if you look at the history of the, when this was written um, in, in the Talmud, in Yevamot, yeah. you have to say, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Because, because political supremacy, although the Jews weren't politically supreme, uh, you know, there was a time there they were a, a sanctioned republic within right, the Roman Empire. Right before the master, the Idumeans were forcibly converted sure. because they were a political powerhouse. And they said, you're half Jewish? You need to keep the Holocaust. And you're not circumcised? Stand over here. Well, and the issue um, in, with conversion in that situation is that it has a bad habit of not sticking. Um, that was the issue with, according to tradition, with, the, with, the, with Egypt. <laughs> the people of Israel leave in Egypt, and all these Egyptians go, ooh, take me too. And then later, Judaism goes, those are the guys the that get us in trouble at the Golden Calf. Right. And then I think also with... No the, Jews were involved. It was all the rabble. Uh, but, but, but I actually, I, don't know, I can totally disagree with them. Um, our, our history in the first century was no better. That's right. I mean, all, we had all these converts, quote unquote, from, from Paul and others. And then within 50 years, they flipped Bam! religion on its head and, and we're Catholic. Jews out. Yeah, yeah they were, so. were Catholic. <laughs> Rabbi Started Harry out well. According to the Jewish historian Salo Baron, in great part because of proselytizing, the number of Jews grew from 150,000 in 586 BCE to 8 million in the first century CE, at which time they constituted 10% of the Roman Empire. So obviously, this is who the previous guy was reading. Jews were working very hard then to convert pagans. The Gospel of Matthew reports that Jewish proselytizers traveled over sea and land to make a single proselyte. It's probably the only verse in the New Testament he ever read. <laughs> yeah. The cessation was imposed by Roman edicts, not rabbinic rulings. In the 4th century CE, this is great history, make note, after the empire adopted Christianity as a state religion, Roman emperors made conversion to Judaism a criminal offense, along with keeping the Torah Circumcising your son, studying the Torah, eating uh, kosher, punishable by death of both the proselytizing Jews and the convert. Whoa! 
the code of the Roman Emperor Theodosius declared any person who betakes himself to the nefarious sect of Judaism shall sustain <laughs> with them the deserved punishment of death. You can tell it was written way back then. Sadly, a lot of the church fathers said the same thing. That's exactly yeah. right. That's why they're the church fathers and not our forefathers. That's why it's <laughs> the, Holy, sorry, the Holy Roman Empire hoped to dismantle, this is beautiful, dismantle the Jewish mission to be a light to the nations. Yes. And thus drive a universal faith into a parochial tribalism. It worked. It did. Because the whole concept of proselytizing or evangelism that we read about, I mean, according to the priests, according to the men, according to the women, the according to the Gentiles was humongous. So there were evangelical Jews out there. But by the time of the writing of the Talmud, it had almost completely stopped. And that has permeated down through the centuries as the, the ruling Gentiles have sought to convert them rather than the Gentile Jews having the opportunity to evangelize. I, I, don't, I don't want to step on it if you're going to get, get into this, but it seems that part of the issue is not necessarily evangelization, but the method of evangelization. And I, I hate to use that word. Um, because Yeshua, well, I mean, in its purest sense, it's what it means, the spreading of the good news. Sure. Uh, in the, but in, in Matthew 23, Yeshua is where he's quoting from Matthew 23, 15, right. has the same issue with it. He doesn't like it either. He says, and the reason why is because of what they're why they're doing it and how they're doing it. And they're gonna not that they're not being a light to the world. To me, that's the, his 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 instructions to his disciples are along the same line. He said, look, you know, we've got to get our house in order. When we get our house in order, the Gentiles will come to us. And prior to that, they were. Yeah. They were a light. And there were so many Gentiles that were coming to to convert or to practice Judaism. And they'd walk in and go, What do I need to do? Well, Really? See, and that's and that's part of the issues. To me, Yeshua's Yeshua's and it's hard for me to prove this, but the yeah. fact that it's using the same word proselyte in right. Matthew twenty three yeah. indicates that it's more than simply a follower of the religion of Judaism, but that it is in fact it is the rabbinic decrees yes. of those who have converted to Judaism is the is the thing that is the most onerous. That's right. Sorry, what do you mean by that last comment? The, because of the the decrees of how one becomes a Jew were were essentially not necessarily theologically bankrupt, but they were man made. Man -made. And that's actually what he says. He says you go across the seas to make, make him one proselyte and make him a, a more son of hell, of hell than you. Right. It's like yeah. weigh? Weighing him down with burdens. And not, it's like, so, so what we've done is we instead of Making him at least equal to you, you've made him worse. How's it? How's a pagan become worse? Right? How can a pagan become worse than what they were? That's tough. That's, that's that is tough. really tough. It's, to me, the issue becomes, and, it, and it, this brings in Galatians. To me, it becomes the how is important. You know, if you are you are joined to Hashem because you trust in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is it, and you follow him and his and his Messiah, that's a totally different issue from you become joined to Hashem because you've, you've followed a list and approval of man. That's the exactly. issue. Yeah. 
we're, we're actually going to pick that up in our second class because I've got the, the follow-on class so this is, is ready to go if nobody steps up and continues the third day of the um, Going back to Judaism's evangelical approach, um, one of the more interesting things that I heard from Rabbi Gimpel, who, who he himself is, is a little more evangelical than your typical Orthodox Jews, um, he, in his teaching on the prophets, he brings up, or Joshua, he brings up that whenever there is like um, the potential for Messiah, and in Judaism, of course, they see, they don't, they don't see, um, they see Messiah as having the opportunity to appear, as it were, as it's like, there could be a guy out there who could end up being Messiah, and this could happen at virtually any time. Could happen. Um, and the, and the, so, like, they, they would see situations, and he, he gave examples of things like when um, David and Solomon are reigning, reigning in Israel, it's like, there's the possibility Solomon could be the Messiah if the people of Israel merit it and God pours out his spirit and whatever else, you know. So that that's an example. And what he's, what he, the, the point that Rabbi Gimpel is trying to make in this is that whenever those opportunities for Messiah became tangible, they became like they were about to happen, all of a sudden the Jewish people become very interested in Gentiles. And he mentions specifically the example of Joshua going to the land of Israel, that these spies... Um, look like they get caught on purpose in Jericho specifically so that they will end up connecting with Rahab, uh, Rahab to bring her into the community. And that Solomon, although Rabbi Gimpel noted this was an inappropriate way of doing it, his, uh, his, his marriage Interest tracks... Interest in all of his women. Uh, his concubines. Um, is intriguing. The converts, he, he, I promise. He's, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> he's bringing in. That's all about it's like evangelism. We read the Torah every morning. He's bringing in. Yeah, he's bringing in people from the nations. Sure. And um, I mean, there were other Queen examples. Queen of Sheba. Well. Yeah. The Ethiopian I think there were some other examples as well that he brings up. The point being that Judaism gets curious, almost as it were, in reaching out to Gentiles. Yeah. At an important time, and this was definitely true in the first uh -huh. century, Absolutely. and in, and and seems to be more true today than it has been for the last several years. Well, time because, for another messiah. Because most of the time, lately, we're not trying to kill him. <laughs> and, and just to that point, one of the methods that was used in the first century is is stated that feel like really well in John thirteen, I think it's thirty five, where Yeshua says, "By this you will know." All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, which goes back to Leviticus 19.34, which says, You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Which goes back and to Deuteronomy. And that was Deuteronomy. the method that they were 34, using for the Gentiles at that time. Right, which goes back to Deuteronomy, where Moses was saying the, the, the commandments and keeping them right. are going to cause the Gentiles to go... Oh, man, what kind of God have you got that gave you such great laws? Right. Let me be a part of that. Yeah. Oh, good. All right, so let's, uh, let's look to, uh, today. What's the Orthodox perspective today? This is Rabbi Leonard Levy. We gladly accept converts who sincerely want to take on the priestly mission by accepting the extra obligations of the 613 commandments of our Torah. But there is a significant concern that one who converts to Judaism may not be fully ready to take on all these obligations, and even if sincere, might subsequently find them too burdensome and decide to leave. That would be bad. Once a person has converted to Judaism, she or he is held responsible for violations of all these additional obligations taken on to detriment of that person's ultimate disposition, their ultimate 
this position in the world to come. So the practice is not to overly encourage conversion to Judaism, to initially discourage conversion until it becomes clear that the person expressing interest is sincere in wanting to fulfill the special commandments given to the Jewish people and has sufficient understanding and practice of what those obligations entail that we consider it that we consider it likely that joining the Jewish people and its priestly mission will be in the person's best long-term point. What a great way of putting it. Hey, to put yourself under the yoke of the Torah and not keep it is going to put you in a worse place than you were before you right. stepped up. So for the for the best long-term interest, we're going to hold back and say, you know, I, 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 you know, I, know, I, know you're, I know it's a great thing. And kosher is wonderful. And, and challah, and you want it. And I know, I, think about it. You put, think about it. Put that into Matthew 23, 15. Yeah, yeah, I can see the altar call on this one. No, <laughs> stay where you're at. For <laughs> not come forward. <laughs> I see no hands raised. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I don't see that hand. Wait. Put that in. Put it there. Yes, sir. I just saw something in Luke 14, 28, the kind of calls for it. And it's right. Exactly right. Or build it, a building of and, 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 and I know that's an awesome way, and I've, I've, I've seen that with all here, and even in Charlotte. Don't you think that's also the more biblical way of, of converting? I, but how is that at odds with the rabbinic method of being of the that actually doesn't deal with. I mean, we, we know that the word converted to Judaism means the rabbinic method, but other than that, that actually is the description of what Yeshua does. But he welcomes people. Says but he count also the cost. Says, I mean, says count the cost. These, of course. So, so the cost. I mean, this is the terms under which someone will be converted. But, that, but the process of well, conversion is well. I, I, Jonathan, to your point, I think it's great, and you've, yeah. and you've raised a good one. You know, the whole. I want to get you fomenting into an emotional starburst so I can go, gotcha! And now you're converted. Fire insurance. He's done. One more notch on the belt, by the way. And he'll be in a baptism class next week. That's what happened to me. Next. Next is right. But if you you are speaking to a man and he wants to join you, if he wants to walk that walk, and you stop him and say, no. You're not ready. I'm not convinced that that's what you want. Right. I mean, quite frankly, in a different sense, that's what I did to my son. Right. But I'm saying, but why do we have a problem with the legal side of, of the conversion? Because this, because this is this is a completely different part. Is there anybody that has a problem with the legal side of the conversion? I, I mean, I thought. Right. You have a problem with the legal side of the conversion? What? When you say the legal side, you're talking about you got to do this, 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 and this. Right. In order to become a Jew. Ah. To become a Jew, yeah. which is well, that's which a different story, right? That's that's, that's that you name it. But that is what I mean. That this Orthodox rabbi, that's, that's what, what he means. means. That's exactly right. what he means. But is it what you mean? Yes, I, as of right now, that's I, I agree with this. With this, with this even with what he like means, means. means. Yeah, we, to, with, <laughs> we don't know what he means. means. I don't know what he means. Means. As I I do agree that Orthodox Judaism does have a valid point, which I right now agree with, that no, in order to be, join Israel, grafted in, whatever you call it, you have to become a Jew, you have to be uh, adopted into the Jewish family, and that means with a, in a legal sense. Obviously, Yeshua's work is how this part, the terms of that, is 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 that the heart issue. That's the important part, but that's not, that's not the only. What do you mean step. by the word Jew? To become a 
Yeah, and like which which congregation, which rabbi? I mean, that's that, that's kind of know, actually. No, I, mean, I meant at a more at, at a more ontological sense. What do you mean by become a Jew? Do you mean someone who practices Judaism? No, no. I mean to to become a, a, a family member legally in every way. They see, I no longer that, a Gentile. They see. I think that that actually is the terms that Paul uses. He doesn't say become a Jew, but he says to become a family member. He talks about becoming no longer a Gentile. Member of the Commonwealth. It's right. So, but if, if there's only two types of people, right. no longer a Gentile, by definition. But he doesn't say are. no longer a Gentile. He I'm doesn't just, say. I'm only, I'm only king off on the on the phrase become a Jew. So, so let me see if I can summarize both sides of this coin because I'm on both sides of this coin. I'm on the edge. Which on the quarter is Ripple? Which is the third side? Thank you, Ripple. Which has no end. So, <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate you so much just bringing it out and, and talking about it. Um, how many of you here would agree <clears throat> with Rick and Jonathan that there needs to be a joining of some way to the Commonwealth or to Israel in some sense? Everybody no, agrees, no right? Hope, no that's, hope for that. That's no, biblical. no hope for that. So I think the dichotomy comes down to, okay, now I'm part of the ethereal family. I have a place in the world to come. I've been joined to the commonwealth of Israel. Now, Jonathan's taking it another step and saying, but this man is saying that if you really want to join us fully, then you need to join us completely and give up calling yourself or presenting yourself or acting like a Gentile and start acting like a Jew. And I would agree with Jonathan because the salvific situation is already passed. It's already done. That's not the issue. I would agree that the Jews own the club. And they can have you do handstands, make paper airplanes, Cut your weenie, do whatever they want because they own the club. And I think that the rabbi is saying, you know, because he's talking about all the way, a complete immersion, if you will. The rabbi is saying, I, you know, I'm just not going to offer it lightly. It's special, it's important, it's different. I'm not going to fake that I'm offering to marry you. When it's time, I am expecting you to grab on with both feet and make it happen. And that's where he's coming from. So I agree. He's right in that sense. Another question that comes up is, what about, and, and I, I completely agree with his, his you know, count the cost. Yeah. What about your children? Would you agree, Rick, that... I have a follow-up question. Of course. Would you agree that in the first century... Um, after the master was raised and you know hundreds and thousands are coming to join themselves to Judaism and to Judaism's now proclaimed Messiah would you say that these people had a halakhic experience then Gentile or otherwise that made them appear Jewish from the outside yes. would you then say that their children Cornelius, like Benjamin, Cornelius's whole household lived like Jews, and therefore his children wouldn't know anything any different 
they did and like know Ben, they did know something different. They knew they weren't Jews. Jews. They knew they weren't Jews, but even today, but no, when back. somebody says, "I didn't know you were Jewish," you say, "I practice Judaism." That's what I say. I'm not but, Jewish. But it, I practice Judaism. Along those same lines. Now I'm going to just take it a step back, and when I ask the question, "What about children?" You and I both immediately think our children. Absolutely. What about his children? Taylor's children? No. This good. This good. This good. This good rabbi. This good rabbi. What about what about the homosexual that's living in Tel Aviv? Does he include them? Of course he does. Don't misunderstand. He includes them as Israel. They're Jewish. They're Israel. So they're under the. Held responsible for the yeah. violations, yeah. the additional yeah. obligations. So, so my my point is that that it is it is th- this is a external perspective. This is not an internal perspective. And there is there is a deep thought with regard to how Jews look internally versus how they look externally when we talk about converts. Agreed. And and it's not a simple. All you have to do is fill our, yeah. join our club, yeah. sign our. It's not that simple, it, and it's not simple in any way, shape, it's or form. It's not that simple. And the question is: is it is the is the homosexual living in a homosexual uh, lifestyle in Tel Aviv? Is he Jewish? Yes. I no no. I'm saying he is, but that's the question: is he Jewish? In the same way that we want to say we want. Some of us may want to be Jewish, yeah. because it's the same thing, according to this man. Yes, it is. Obligation is exactly the same. The place in the world to come is identical. Agreed. Obligation being failed is bad. And when he says it may be, it may be bad. He's not saying, you know, there's a theological shift going on here. They say all Israel has a part in the world to come, but maybe not. State. Don't mm-hmm. live right. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's and the reason I'm saying this is because when we talk about conversion to Judaism, converts are only considered to be valid converts as long as they continue to adhere to the to the precepts of Judaism. That's right. Because when they stop, Jews are not that way. Right. And this goes back mm-hmm. through all of history of all conversion. You can go back 2,500 years, and if a convert stops living like a Jew, he's no longer a Jew. Is well, he, he'll be put out. That's right. He will be put out. Whereas a Jew that stops living like a Jew, he's always a Jew. He just needs to make repentance. Well, mm-hmm. my next that slide talks matter. about the conservative perspective because there is a conservative perspective, and of course, there's a there's a reform perspective as well. Justin, it is a different topic. I was going to say about Paul says that. Even the, the righteous wife with an unbelieving husband and children can be saved. That's right. Excellent. Exactly. But that was a different point that you were But it's, it's cool. So the conservative perspective mm-hmm. here is uh, it's curious to me. The book of Jonah includes a number of themes, but evangelizing is not one of them. Do you think the book of Jonah is about evangelism? Apparently not. <laughs> not according to these guys. <laughs> <laughs> the way, the way it is. Yeah, right. Depending on how you define it. So not asked to convert the residents of Nineveh to Judaism, but only in saving them from punishment if they fail to repent from their sins. That's he's got a point there. 
This corresponds to the Jewish attitude that salvation is achieved through noble action rather than through the acceptance of a particular religious doctrine. This idea finds its classical expression in the Talmudic statement that asserts that all the righteous, whether Jews or non-Jews, have a share in the world. Ah, new category. The litmus test for salvation is not religious homogeneity, but virtue. Accordingly, there is no need to actively convert non-Jews to Judaism. The prophet Zechariah likewise imagines a future time when all people will come to acknowledge the one God. But that does not necessarily entail the practice of Judaism. In some, Judaism wants the world to be good and does not need the world to be Jewish. Now, I don't want you to be swayed by the great talk there. It is clear in the Messianic age there are still Jews and Joes. Who shows up at Chukot? Every name. Everybody. And whoever rain. doesn't, doesn't get rain. They practice in Judaism. But who is it that has to show? The Gentiles. Because where are the Jews? In the land. It's the Gentiles that are going to show up and, in effect, at least practice these. And Isaiah 66 even mentions Shabbat and new moons. Exactly. So it's almost like we've got a mandated practice of certain things, but they are not Jews. Now, the question is, that's the messianic age, not the world to come. Does he have not, does he have Jews that are not having a share in the world to come? That's interesting. Well, the answer to that. Actually, he does. This is the conservative view. He has, the reform he has multiple. He has. Yeah. He doesn't have two types of people in the world. That's right. The reform view is just well. The just reform in something view good. wasn't worth <laughs> creating a slide. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. That's right. Do they really believe in God? I don't think so. Who's yeah. yeah. How many guys do they want? The bigger question might be are the Reformed Jews Jews, Jews but right. exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, we got a comment. And how the Orthodox <laughs> rabbi treats the Reformed Jews. There you go. There you go. Um, uh, Yosef Ben Gershon writes in uh, regarding natural born versus a convert. Both are to do the Torah, but the convert is held to a higher level of accountability right. because he chose to be joined to the Torah. Sure. Um, on a side note, my own thoughts on that. It's interesting that you think about um, Yeshua's comments regarding uh, the person we've mentioned earlier, kind of cost. And he specifically highlights the one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back as though that was worse. Um, and it's intriguing in light of the, of the discussion here. In the line of the discussion here, that like if you if you um, if you step into this and take something on and don't finish it, that's actually worse than having not even started. And I think there's definitely something to that. Now, now exactly how that works, I don't know if I just agree with all of Judaism's interpretations of what that ultimately looks like, because they see um, take good pagans ending up in the world to come somehow. Yeah. Um, so but. <laughs> But I, um, at the same time, I don't think that it's so far off from what Yeshua was saying. It, it's more, it's more about like the groups that get in, as it were, what defines that. But Yeshua is still definitely saying, if, if you're not going to go all the way, don't take the first step. I, I can't agree. I can't disagree. And it also seems like the Torah, I know it puts prohibitions on the Egyptians and... Moabites, I think it is, uh, to a certain amount of generations. And, if it's uh, for the for the 
uh, Egyptians are three or four generations, and then they can join. And then, uh, and, and right. then well, more, more seriously, are the half breeds, because if you're a if you are a, a offspring of a illegitimate Jewish Gentile union, they get there. That's still true today. That's part of that's one of the issues. You can't at times. You can't go in the tour. You can't these, go in the tour with these mixed um, with these with these mixed marriages. Uh, it can be a really big problem, and even today you have the issue of the manzer, right. the, the Hebrew word for that. Um, it's right. this basal issue. It, it's practically considered almost like they're a um, form of bastardization. Like they're not even legitimate children. Even right. it's, it's a marriage. Right. Yeah. This has been good. I don't, of, I don't know. A the lot brief. of conclusions have been reached. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to get the conversation going here. Our next class on this topic, which I hope is not next week, that was a dramatic hint, um, will come from Acts chapter 15. Can I finish? Let me finish. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers Unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moshe, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, conversion, <clears throat> and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem... They were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moshe. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter, and after <clears throat> there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, and I quote, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that my, by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their heart by faith. Now, therefore, here's the summary, the bottom line. Why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. The next time we come together, I would like to know what you think Paul was referring to with regard to this yoke. Peter, Peter. I beg your pardon. Did I say Paul? I meant Peter. To what was Peter referring? This yoke that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. Keep it converted. Could it, could it be the Torah? Kosher, that's easy. Could it be the Torah? <laughs> could it be mixing dairy and, and meat? I, yeah. I'd like us to talk about that in light of this whole conversion conversation. Okay. Final comments from you and from you. You're first. Is anybody prepared to teach the next month? Yes. I, no one has stepped up. I'll teach. You I'll are lined up for. Uh, I switched with Ryan, so I'm starting so to refresh. Your name is this. in it. No. I, Finishing the it? last blow or. Oh. Uh, 
putting a tent, uh, a flag on the tabernacle, or taking driving a, a stake through someone's driving a stake through a heart, or I, I, okay. some kind of vampire thing. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is, there. But okay. check the check the spreadsheet. I don't care. But right. it would be great if uh, we finished this up since we started. I think it's a good a good thing to finish. Yeah. Well, next Tuesday, Brock. I'll teach three, and Brock will teach three. We'll do six in one night. Six in one night. Are you ready to teach or no? Next week. Yeah. Okay. We're doing six we're in one night. We're not signing up. Well, no, we already got them prepared. Oh, you already got them prepared? Because we prepared them that one time where Taylor's thing. Ah. Taylor's usurped. Yeah, you Is that? Yeah. So why do we do either your discussion or their Malachot lesson? We're not doing mine unless there's no Malachot. All right, so Brock is over next week and I'll have to take the week out. You got it. Okay. Bam. Boom. Uh, well, we can't. Is that is that Shavuot? Yeah, that's the day before. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're in Erev Shavuot. Erev Shavuot. Well, we'll be praying anyway. I mean, is, who uh, is praying Erev Shavuot? We're going to Don't we normally do something? Prayer is good. We do what? Don't we normally do something? Yeah. Does we read? We 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 often do something. No, no, no. We would like to be our emissary and ask them. I know. That'd be awesome. We would love to do that. That'd be awesome. And, and well, they want to meet here. Will it be a Tuesday night class? I mean, uh, it won't be a Tuesday night class. But Erev Ever of Shavuot, we've always done something, and if I'm not mistaken, we all do a lesson on the right. Right. So, I think normally you push back an extra week, and I think the Upham family normally does some kind of Shavuot. We'd love to have you here. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to have people right out to your feet. So that's good. So you got next week. This week is. The and then, is it, is it right, or we got yeah, another right. week? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So the 27th is uh, Colby and the Brock, and then the. And then the following week the will be. would be you then. The following week is Shavuot, and then you've got the week after. All right. And then we, after while you're talking to your dad about Shavuot, talk to him about doing the carry class. Okay. Because we need to get that in here because we're going to finish up. Good. So it better be good, Jonathan. You got plenty of time. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, time I did have one more comment from Samuel. Please. Um, going back to some of our beginning conversation about Yeshua, uh, he quoted from uh, Rick Dedman um, and saying that Hebrews contrasts the Hatat offered by at Yom Kippur by the high priest to Yeshua's offering of his blood in the heavenly sanctuary, which is a one-time offering and eternal. However, Hebrews makes a point of comparison with the Yom Kippur Hatat that cannot go unnoticed. The carcasses of the bull and goat were intertwined together, these katat were not eaten, and carried by priests outside the walls of Jerusalem and burned without the camp. The location of the carcasses being burned relates to Yeshua who suffered without the gate. What do you think about this? That's actually what he says. That's you know the, almost a quote from what the writer he was saying. Exactly right. Yeah. Very nice. Can't disagree, Sam. Way to go, bud. Shmuel, always on top. There it is. Final comments? Okay. It was a very aggressive response. I mean this, by the way, with all my heart. May you taste of the sweetness of the world to come in this life. May you see your children's children come to faith. That doesn't mean a whole lot to but a few men in the room, but I think eventually. 
May your end be with the life of the world to come, and your deeds affect the hope of many generations. May your heart ponder and achieve understanding of Torah. May your mouth speak wisdom to everyone you meet, and may your tongue bring forth song as you praise the Holy One, blessed is He. May you have the self-control to look straight before it, not over there. May your eyes be enlightened by the light of Torah. May your face shine like the brightness of the sky, and may your lips utter knowledge. Your heart rejoice in righteousness, and your feet run to hear. Amen. The words of the ancient Jesus. Amen. You know, that prayer was written during a time of great contention in the, in the academies, and there was there was a real split going on in the, in, in the primary academies, yeah. and that was the attempt to bring them back together. Exactly. You, you know, they argue like crazy, and they didn't And that's right. When did you come Before class tonight, Johnny, before class, Johnny and I were outside. The neighbor made a comment about cars being a little too close. Daniel, um, this one or that one? The one. This one. This one. Yeah. 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 He said, I, I, "Eventually, I'm going to back out and hey, back man. into one of you guys." And he specifically mentioned guy in BMW. So, <laughs> as, not the park. Not, of room. As 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 one, I know I'm a, uh, I'm part of the problem because I just go to the the curb first and never go to the.